0: Welcome to Remarkable Retail Podcast, Season 4, Episode 21. I'm Michael LeBlanc. And I'm Steve Dennis. Well, Steve, it's been a busy week, I think, for both of us, and we're heading uh, towards our final episode, Episode 22, next episode, next week, which will be a predictions wrap-up, so looking forward to that. But uh, in advance, we've got a great episode coming up with a very special guest back on the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to bring Ron Thurston back. He was a, uh, as we'll talk about a little bit, he was a guest, I guess, early in season two, mm-hmm. shortly after mm-hmm. his book came out. And uh, he was someone that popped on our radar screen. And since then, he has been a busy, busy guy. So
0: It's so fun to catch up. We're going to learn all about his Retail in America tour. He's got this... Uh you know he's got an airstream. He's, he's the journey to discover everyday retail heroes. We talked. We caught up with him in uh, as he was in Memphis, but he's crisscrossing America, and it's so interesting what he's doing, and uh, it's a really fun interview. And uh, and uh, he's he's had special guests and and retailers, so it's it's just a pile of fun. So we'll get to that in a minute or two, or uh, nine or ten minutes or two. So. Let's talk about uh, news of the week. So uh, let's uh, do a quick pop on earnings. Wasn't well, a particularly big week. Anything uh, jump to mind? Anything uh, hit your radar screen worth talking about?
1: Well, some of it is a continuation of themes we've touched on. Uh, if you look at the retailers that are doing well, for example, Lululemon was a was a significant beat this week, uh, and the ones that are maybe disappointing a bit, I would say, RH's earnings uh, were a bit of a disappointment. I think the pattern is if you are a retailer that largely serves a more upscale consumer, you're probably not getting hit by inflation concerns very much. And if you also are a retailer that is not kind of getting caught up in this COVID rebalancing, so I think RH is being hit a little bit by people who've already bought that that dining room mm-hmm. table, mm-hmm. that sofa, whatever there's only so many of those you're going to buy, so, uh, but you know they are caught up in some of the supply chain stuff as well. But to the extent that demand for certain big ticket items, big screen TVs, the Pelotons, the washers and dryers, whatever, was pulled forward, I think you're going to continue to see some of those retailers face some pretty big. Headwinds. If you're in those categories where you've got that upscale consumer, people going back out, traveling, all those kinds of kinds of things. You know, the more luxury retailers, I think we're going to see those uh, those companies continue to perform disproportionately well.
0: Yeah, I mean, none of this is is a surprise. I don't think to anyone.
1: Yeah, I think as you know, as the quarters tick by, we'll we'll see. You know, I keep talking about as as this rebalancing, uh, reversion to the mean. You know, those sort of things. And I think the more mm-hmm. data we get, the more that seems to be what's going on.
0: So breaking news, uh, Jamie Dimon, might be a familiar name to some of the listeners, uh, chief executive of J.P. Morgan, has a new job. Very exciting. He's now in the weather prediction business. <laughs> yeah. So, Yeah, uh, yeah he's, and he's upgraded, He's changing the forecast. He's, he's really grabbed onto the meme of being a weather uh, a weather reporter. <laughs> what <did> you, <laughs> what's the latest forecast from Jamie Dimon? Well,
1: he, he, and I'm not sure exactly when he first said this because uh, I'm lazy and I didn't go back and look, but he's been talking about there being storm clouds, on the horizon, but yes, he changed his forecast to talk about a a hurricane, a brewing, mm-hmm. and uh, that that sent some shock waves through through the markets. I mean, certainly, he's a guy that's got a ton of experience. Great mm-hmm. perspective. Also happened to go to the same college and business school as I did. So, you know, we've mm-hmm. got that in common. Uh, you know, he does make a few, you know, hundred million dollars more a year than I make. But, you know, a day, anyway. A day, yes. I yeah. know. It's Each details. Day, yes. But, um, I'm sure I'm happier. So that's ultimately what yeah, counts. But, You're uh, right. yeah, he, but he then, he sort of caveated the, uh, the dire warnings. With uh, Well, we're not really sure whether it's kind of a Category 1 or a Superstorm Sandy. So, so there appears yeah. to still be some wiggle room and, uh, and uh, the degree of buckling up buttercupping we need to do.
0: What else we got? So, uh, Eddie Lampert, uh, I guess uh, the uh, Sears hometown stores are closing. I didn't even know they had still 100 Sears hometown, but I guess the Voldemont touch of death has affected those as well. Well, yes, as I said on social media
1: continuing a theme that I've been on for probably six or seven years now. Uh, You know, Sears being the the world's slowest liquidation sale, but everything Eddie Lambert touches seems to die. Actually, the Sears, so people may not realize this because it's a little bit inside baseball, but the Sears hometown stores, which were specialty stores focused on home products, as, as you might figure out from the name, they were actually spun off from the overall Sears holding company or whatever. Uh, i mean it's had different names over the years but they were spun out uh, and no, then they essentially realize. are a licensed mm-hmm. or franchised sort of business so they were spun out a number of years ago so they are not part of the same corporate entity that the sears and kmart stores uh mm-hmm. were but uh, so they're they're actually probably in terms of locations the last real vestige of 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 a significant footprint and so 100 more stores are going to Close. So, so last one here, turn out the lights. Uh, I think we're, we'll see very few things with the name Sears on it. I was also going to mention very quickly that uh, it still drives me a little bit crazy. This, this past week when I was driving around, I heard Lowe's advertising their Craftsman Tool Days. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, some folks may remember that Craftsman was an exclusive brand for Sears. That was the case way back when when I worked there, and we actually looked at partnering with Lowe's or Home Depot. Uh, this is almost twenty years ago, and for reasons uh, that are perhaps <laughs> worth a separate episode, that didn't happen. But once uh, once Eddie got his hands on it, and they were trying to sell things off to to keep the lights mm-hmm. on, uh, Craftsman was was in essence uh, sold to to Lowe's. So.
0: Yeah, and I have a connection to that. We actually have a mutual connection because I uh, they were sold. I think it was for four hundred million to Stanley Black and Decker, which I work for. Yep, uh, and and made some of the craftsman tools myself. So yeah, I still see them. I, you know, kind of like a. It's funny, right? No one even connects them to Sears anymore. Like the new generation, they're just a brand. Like there's not there's not even the connection. But a couple other quick hits I noticed. uh, You know, give it to the uh, to the British to name their their retailers appropriately. Misguided has filed for protection, uh, and even though Boohoo was going to buy them. <laughs> uh, <so.
1: laughs> wow, wow, this story. Yeah, uh, you know, we,
0: we've built, built to fail, I guess, or named to fail. Yeah I, mean.
1: yeah, I think sometimes there, there are these built rather ironically named <laughs> retailers, but uh, yeah, this is kind of part of the continuing shakeout in the pure play online. Uh, and uh, yeah, Boohoo was rumored to be perhaps Purchasing them, so they've apparently taken a pass. So misguided is going to going to file. Uh, Boohoo was actually one of the companies a few years ago I used to point to mm-hmm. as an exception to my comments about uh, the lack of profitability in e-commerce, but they have actually also fallen on uh, harder times. Time. So perhaps they're not in the. Uh, this is your falling knife analogy. Perhaps uh, their mm-hmm. unstable situation wasn't going to be enhanced by catching a falling knife.
0: And and relevant to our uh, our guest, I just saw a former uh, not a former guest but a former colleague of yours, so to speak, and a, and a previous guest on the show, Karen Katz, has got a new job over at Intermix. So uh, that's uh, that's interesting because Ron, of course, came out of the Intermix organization when it was part of the Gap. Yeah, yeah,
1: I was interested to see this. Actually, uh, two former Neiman's executives are now CEOs of uh, of smaller brands. Mm-hmm. Jim Gold now at Mode operandi, sorry, drawing a little bit blank there. And Karen and in Intermix. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Yeah, Karen uh, I worked with for many years at Neiman Marcus. She was briefly my boss when she was getting elevated to CEO. Yeah, Intermix back, back in the day at Neiman Marcus, when we were working on our um, specialty format for younger customers called Cusp. Intermix was one of the companies we paid a lot of attention to. So certainly Karen's got a ton of relevant experience to, yeah. to bring to that. And then Intermix was acquired, I forget how many years ago by the gap resold. So Altamone's a lot of shifting capital concept. partners. Yeah. It's a private so, equity
0: owned business. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think it's, it's a solid business, uh, but a business that's struggled a little bit to really gain mm-hmm. a lot of traction. So uh, that'll be interesting yeah. to watch.
0: Well, you know, when you got someone who's as good as Ron Thurston running it uh, and they don't make a go at it, you have to wonder. You know, certainly the issue wasn't in the stores. That We can say that for sure. Uh, so speaking of Ron, let's, uh, let's get to our discussion with Ron Thurston live from an Airstream trailer in Parts Unknown as he crisscrosses the country. Actually, I think he's in the outskirts of Memphis. So let's, let's, uh, let's listen into our interview with Ron.
1: Well, Michael and I are excited
0: to welcome Ron
1: Thurston back to the podcast. He was our guest, I think, on Episode 2 of Season 2. And now he's uh, just two away from the end of Season
2: 4. So, Ron, welcome back. Thank you so much, Stephen Michael. It's such a pleasure to, to be back on the show. I feel like you have been such a supporter of my journey the last 18 months. So I'm excited to come back and give you an update. Well, thank you for saying that.
1: You know, I don't, uh, we did not know each other until mm-hmm. about, I don't know, 18 months or so ago when uh, somehow or other uh, we ran into your, your book. Retail yep. Pride, which we can talk about a little bit in a second. But, but you've done quite a lot of th- interesting things since then. But before we get into your book and the Retail in America tour and everything else you've got going on, uh maybe for people who aren't familiar with you, could you just tell uh them a little bit about
2: your personal and professional journey? Yeah, of course I'd love to. Thank you. Uh I am um, I've I am someone that has spent three plus decades working my way in stores, up in stores. And the, the, the joy of that and discovering that I was really good at the brick and mortar side of retail was something I discovered kind of late twenties after thinking I might want to be a designer. Uh, And I realized that actually the best part of the industry is in stores and I started at Gap, Gap Kids specifically, as an assistant store manager, sales, became a general manager, became a district manager, and spent the next decade at Gap, which for me was the foundation for a lot of what I needed to learn to grow my career um, into some other really exciting brands. So I was able to jump in um, with some former Gap leadership team and help help. Um, build what is West Elm today. I helped grow and establish um, Tory Burch. I'm based out of the West Coast and expand that business. I ran Apple stores. Um, I moved to New York to launch the retail business model that is Bonobos today. Um, I ran Saint Laurent for North and South America. Um, and most recently, until the middle of 2021, was the vice president of stores for Intermix. And so all of that to say that this is the joy of this industry and the excitement that happens every day in stores all around the world is something i've been so thoroughly engaged with and excited about and have you know opened dozens of stores and interviewed hundreds if not thousands of people and traveled around the world visiting stores and never thought for a minute that being in stores um was something i wouldn't do and being able to then write a book about it and be able to um, now travel and speak about it is really such a pleasure to celebrate an industry that, for, you know, I would say, really all time has not been one that has been recognized for all the hard work that goes into you know a career and running a brick and mortar retail business.
0: You know, we, we, had you on, as Steve said, in, in early in our podcast journey, and it was about the book. And, and, uh, we'll put a link into that interview and a link, of course, to the book. You really tapped into a vibe. Like you really, you, you hit, I would say you hit a nerve in all the great ways because that book really took off for you. And, and it really, mm-hmm. it was so much, um, love for the book, right? Like, like it was very, very emotional as you read kind of the, the way people responded to the book. So just give us a, yeah. you know, for those who haven't, um, who haven't read it yet but give us a a sense of what the book you know where did you start with the book and then what's the book about yeah i'd
2: love to i through that kind of journey that i just described there were some very common themes and and still are today that are very relevant to the industry that this is an industry um, on the store side that maybe was not given credit as i mentioned earlier but there are themes around being very Mm -hmm. self-taught that your success in this industry is often dictated by how hard you work, the leaders that you have around you, the companies you work for, the resources that they provide, um, that it's very often accidental, that it is not something that someone studies and says, oh, I'm, I, my plan is to be a store manager, a district manager, a head of stores. There mm-hmm. are, there's usually some other education component or or not. So those themes around an accidental career, uh, a need to work for great companies, a need to have great mentors and people around you to move you forward and and all of that i just the the themes were so consistent and recognizing the fact that i had been a leader trying to put on conferences and trying to find mm-hmm. leadership books, trying to find things around book clubs and what can i get for my team to help them feel great about what they do other than me telling them that they're great. And I just came to this realization of like, you know what, that actually doesn't exist. It doesn't exist for the field. There are incredible books like Steve's that help us understand the industry at a, at a more complex and higher level. But as a you know, part-time sales sales, store managers, stock, district managers, there's never been a book written for them. And so I think that Mm -hmm. that idea of we're we're going to choose to take pride in a career that has not always been celebrated and may have been accidental, but I'm going to really encourage us to change this conversation to being intentional about the fact that we work in retail Mm -hmm. and providing Language to them, so that when someone asks them what they do, they actually have a context and an idea around how to communicate to their friends and family about their career and that that was new I think that's why the traction of the book took off it was written by someone that has done all of those those jobs it's written in a language that's very familiar to them, and really for the first time it's like people said to me, this guy understands. He understands yeah. what we do every day. And thank you for giving us um, uh, some inspiration to celebrate with our teams every day.
0: You know, e- even before you uh, set out on this uh, wonderful journey you're on, and we're going to get to that a little later in more detail, uh, talk about the impact that the book has had. I mean, I've watched and, and we've watched, you have got a, pod, you're a podcaster, fellow podcaster now. I've listened to the <laughs> podcast. We'll put a link into that. It's, and th- just the way that people relate to you, and your framework. I mean, they're so excited to talk about their careers, but, and, and the journey, sometimes the journeys have been, you know, they're overcoming obstacles in these journeys, but talk about the, the impact mm-hmm. the book has had up to now. Cause it really seems, as I said, to have really tapped into something. It, it really has. Thank you, Michael. I, I think what's struck me most is that,
2: you know, I, I, primarily worked for big American brands uh, or big emerging American brands. And I had this kind of American sensibility to my perspective on retail. What has really inspired me most is that this conversation about retail pride is happening all over the world. And I get messages from India and from Asia and Latin America and Europe and people discover the book or they'll see something on LinkedIn and then they'll buy it for their teams. And then their teams get excited and buy it as gifts for somebody else. It's like this idea of passing it on. Like there's this need to find resources and gifts to people in the industry. And when I can uh, go to a conference and speak to a group, more specifically store managers, district managers, they are they're thrilled that there is someone that's speaking directly to them. And that is, has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with their company. It has nothing to do with whatever it is that they sell. And I think of retail is so wide in its um, price points and business models and the variety of e-com versus brick and mortar businesses, all of it. It's so wide, but it's kind of very democratic at the same time. And I share that of like, you're, your pride in your, in your career should never be dictated by the price. And that just because maybe you work in luxury that you should feel more proud of the fact that I work at Dollar Tree because working at Dollar Tree is really hard work and should, you should be extremely proud of that and the work that you put into that and how you support your local communities. And when you say that to them, that's the nerve that, that strikes because there's a sense of judgment when you don't work in luxury that you are not good enough to do that. And I use pride in a very intentional way. How do we remove kind of the stigma of shame of working maybe in Walmart that you should be working in Louis Vuitton? And I, that it, for me is, a, is an underlying mm-hmm. kind of dark side of a retail career. And I very much want mm-hmm. to change that conversation. Well, I think there's a number of things you've done that
1: are so impressive, but I think you actually illustrate a lot of what we talk about with this idea of, of being remarkable, remarkable being something that is unique and memorable and, and very, very well done, but also, and this is really the secret sauce, I think it's something that people talk about. So the success you've had with people Mm -hmm. sharing your ideas and recommending it to other people, I think, uh, I mean, I'm a little jealous, but I think it's, uh, it's quite, <laughs> quite amazing. Now,
0: let's talk about... Let's uh, talk about jealousy about this tour. That's what I... That's a well, <laughs> I'm also
1: jealous that uh, I saw several pictures of Ron with Sarah, Jessica Parker, so maybe we can weave that in <laughs> somehow. But anyway, uh, yeah, now you're on this, this tour. Uh, you've got an Airstream, and you've been traveling around to a whole bunch of cities, coming to, I think you're in Memphis now, you're coming to Texas in the next yep. few weeks. Uh, what is this Retail in America tour? Tell us,
2: tell us um, about it. The book was launched, and the majority of all the work I did to get it off the ground happened while I was still a, the vice president of stores at Intermix. And the middle of 2021, you know, kind of came to this realization of, you know, this is big enough to create something that um, can impact a much larger audience, but this can't be done from my comfortable apartment in New York City. I need to get out onto the road and meet people in person, see their businesses, experience the the feeling that have, you know, to your point, Steve, like there's remarkable work happening in big cities, small towns all over this country, but they don't have the opportunity to, for someone to maybe see it and recognize it and celebrate it. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that in a moment. But then my husband and I said, you know, Hey, could we leave New York city? You know, he's a, he's a designer and has had a very successful career. And could we, could we leave New York city? Could we do this in, and maybe we should get an airstream, which turned into, you know, how do you do that? And how do you buy a truck and how do you live in campgrounds? And it took uh, nearly a year of planning to make it happen. Um, I've had also some very generous, sponsors who love this idea. So Ubik being a big uh, training platform, training a communication tool used by 300 brands all over the world. Spotify Advertising is very interested in how to communicate what retail pride means to um, an in-store experience from a music point of view um, and KWI as, as a large POS vendor. So they jumped in and said, we'd love to help you. And that turned into you know what 2022 has become so it's a minimum 20 city tour which at this point is going to be much bigger than that um, and a podcast called retail in america and just it's sharing stories all done live from their local cities and here when we're recording the podcast here in in our airstream and this kind of feeling very Um, familiar, very local, um, staying in a city on average a week and seeing what's really happening and who do I need to meet and what conversations do I need to have. And I've met, I'll just bring a couple of examples because they're fresh in my mind. we were in Asheville, North Carolina for about 10 days, which is an incredible city. But two of the people that I met, one of which is a cycling brand called Kitsbo, uh, who. Um, Has a very loyal following, but the CEO David Bilstrom said, "You know what? We're going to move all of our production to to local Old Fort, North Carolina, and we're only going to to produce what is ordered on our website. And in order to do that, they had to build Mm. a factory in Old Fort, and they hired about sixty local." people in the community and taught them how to sew. They have an entire kind of curriculum about teaching people how to sew so that they can work in the factory and produce the product for Kitspo Um, with no waste, no overproducing of inventory. They built a coffee shop on site. They built a retail business. They, and they are like the hub of the local community has become this, this part of fashion world and sports world. Uh, and that was very enthralling for me. And also met up with this, the CEO of um, Broad River Retail, which is a large franchise of Ashley Furniture. They have stores all over the, the Carolinas, 30, I think 32 locations. And to watch him in his own... He met me in Asheville, walk through the store, and then I had two of his team members on my podcast, which you'll hear this month. Just those stories of... Local communities and the impact that they have can't be replaced. And they were so proud to have someone come in and talk about mm-hmm. retail pride and to sign books and to meet customers. You know, Everywhere I go, I just want to do more of this because the smiles on their faces mm-hmm. just mean everything.
0: And, and and to help tell their story, right? I mean, that's it's such you know they're doing such amazing things that you're describing. But how do you get that story out, right? You did leave out one particular session that did catch our eyes. In addition to those, uh, Ms. Sarah Jessica Parker. So how did that come about? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that's. Um, that's not. I don't think that happened in Tennessee. That felt like a more New York. You're back in back in New York again. Back in Manhattan again. Talk about it I, for a bit.
2: Yes, I did. Thank you. They. Um, I did go back to New York. Uh, so her uh, footwear and accessories brand is a customer of KWI, and um, KWI had the opportunity to say, "Sir Jessica Parker is, would like to come in." Um, and meet and share about her love of retail and you know have you interview her for your your podcast there's it's all been filmed and will be released yeah and uh it was quite an experience for me Uh, that's not something i'm you know used to kind of all the the cameras and the crew and and all of that um but i that it just launched this week, and the feedback's been really positive. She could yeah. not have been more lovely, and if you listen to it, mm-hmm. what you hear is a very authentic entrepreneur. In addition to all the other, you know, awards and impact she's had in in, in fashion and retail in New York City and, and Broadway culture, and culture, and yeah. culture. I mean, but she, when you listen to her describe her love of that store on Fifty Fourth Street. And how she's been engaged with, with the store and the team, you know they, that store was supposed to open right before COVID. and then you know she was in there quite a bit, um, making sure that the customer was engaged, delivering shoes, um, working on the sales floor, and her love of that business is real. And I, it was such a pleasure for me to be able to do that
0: you're like a chapter from a dr zeus book all the places you'll go like did you imagine (laughs) these things happening as you you know, planned out, well, we're going to get a trailer and we're going to meet Jessica, you know, we're going to meet yes. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, yeah, tick, tick. Come on. The places you'll go. Let's, let's. <laughs> How is this not like a Bravo or Discovery Channel show? I think it will be. You're oh, I think it will be.
2: are
1: negotiating? Come yeah, on. I
2: am not come opposed on. to come that, on. Steve, if you have some connections. <laughs> 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 I have
1: zero connections, but <laughs> I, I had a question, Ron. As, as a guy who's spent, it sounds like, Most of his time, at least as a a grown-up, on the different coasts where, you know, and even my being in Dallas, which is obviously a huge um, retail market, I sometimes feel that the general view of retail is so, and fashion in particular, certainly, is so driven by what goes on in New York, L.A., you know, a couple of other other markets. You've you've been in some of those cities. I know you were in Miami, but is mm-hmm. like, what's your sense of the view of the world from the smaller cities, the smaller towns, compared to you know, kind of the the fashion, you know, the women's wear daily view or the yeah. the <laughs>
2: stock analyst view? Any any major impressions, differences that stand out? I think my my biggest impression is that we get so caught up in that world when you are when you work for really important fashion brands like I did and live in New York city or LA and that you actually think that work is really important. And you realize really quickly when you're not in those cities, how unimportant it is and that the translation of some of that um, to entry price points or to target and Walmart and where most of America shops has nothing to do with any of that work. And that is in many ways been incredibly inspiring is that there are much bigger things that we need to worry about than what's on trend for fall. And I have loved it. I've loved being in Walmart and watching what, can, how, how maybe a trend, maybe not, even how most of America shops. And that is who works there and who is the customer and what is that experience um, and to kind of take you out of the bubble of New York, LA, Miami. And those are, you know, it's a, trust me, it's a lot of fun. I've had the, the most um, mm-hmm. incredible times working for those houses and, but you do get caught up in that world that may not seem, or there's no knowledge of that in general America. Also in you know, things like metaverse, no one has spoken to me once about that. Like may not even know what it is and what I know. And so, but then you were like, you know, but this is such an every dinner party I was in in New York city. That was the number one conversation you leave New York and people like, I I don't know what you're talking about. So I think that that's, um, this is like, this is real life here. That's an important perspective for, for me to have when you think about retail, because retail is not just major cities.
0: Well, listen. Uh, there's an opportunity here for you. Uh, you've got the mic. You, you're you've had a, a lifetime of service and contribution. For the listeners out there, what you know, what, a couple of things have you learned meeting people and talking to them? I mean, you, you're already sharing some of that perspective. But you know, what 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 lessons or insights would a couple of insights could you share with the listeners about retail that you've you've learned? Not new to the tour because you've got so many insights in the book and previous conversations. But if you had, you know. A minute to say, listen. Here's what I've learned. You need to know this as a leader, no matter where you're operating as a
2: retailer. What would that be? So here's what I would say to answer that, Michael. I would say that there are incredible people in every city uh, and uh, all over this country that I've already met, and so much, so much more ahead. But those people will require continued investment and, and continued training and career growth opportunities. And to, when someone chooses brick and mortar retail as a career, that also then puts the pressure back on brands to do the right thing. And not all the stories have are positive about their experiences working in retail. And a lot of it is dictated by investments that brands make in people uh, or lack of. And, the challenges that many brands have faced the last couple of years and continue to face in a challenging hiring market do, does put pressure on them to do better. But I would say that that's not going to change. And if you want incredible people to continue to join your organization, continue to do good work, be really proud of what they do that they need to be invested in. And that may be platforms like Ubik that gives them Micro training every day on their phone or big investments like Walmart just made, you know, to recent college graduates because Walmart recognized that we don't have enough store managers for all the stores that we're going to open. And this kind of, um, they're calling it this emerging coach program for young people to choose to be a store manager for Walmart at, at a six figure role that can have that before they're 30. Those kinds of investments are what will keep this industry growing and expanding and being exciting and making one that people will continue to choose in a very proud way. And if you I can l- hear the, that. you can I hear the that. rain on the top of the Airstream. It's pretty hard
0: to miss. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it sounds like a, it sounds like say, some birds tweeting. It's it's a wonderful background actually. Because it's yeah. you're not faking you're not faking it, man. You're on the road. I love it. I'm on the road. And, you we know,
1: love it. We're
2: gonna
0: we're we're gonna add rain
1: and birds to all future podcasts, even if. Uh, <laughs> uh you know michael's got some the sound effects yeah. thing so you know we, we have Listen, not used that nearly if enough we, if but, we
0: can't yeah. find ron's authenticity we'll just make it up we'll just
1: we should definitely try harder to be authentic i think exactly. that's, that's the key advice so ron what's what's next for you you're you're uh, i know heading out to a bunch more more cities uh you want to talk a little bit about the tour as well as anything else you've got on the
2: radar screen yeah i'd love to it's, uh Yeah, we're about six weeks in of the actual Airstream. So this will take us through the the next several stops are Texas, then into New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, kind of up that part of the, the country. But the back, I would say September to the end of the year, is really from Seattle to San Diego, and all down the West Coast. And there are some of the most beautiful parts of this country of course but there are also Mm -hmm. incredible retail businesses and people and startups and entrepreneurs um, that will really fuel this these continued conversations for the podcast and in-store events and you know everywhere I go I just want to meet kind of the best of and um, and have their voices heard using this platform this growth vehicle of retail pride and retail in America to help them share how much they love working in this industry because that inspires others to also make the same choice. And some of the actually the best episodes or the most downloaded episodes that I've had are store managers who have been my guests um, who sat here in the Airstream mm-hmm. and shared their story about. You know, I started in stock. I didn't ever plan to do this. And a store manager role is, in my opinion, the most important role to have in retail. You set the tone for those four walls every single day. No matter what the company's doing, you set that tone. And when you hear store managers speak about leading a team of six or 60 or 600 in an Apple store, those are very important jobs. And I want to continue to to showcase them. So Ron, aside from
1: getting your book, listening to your podcast, how do you want people to engage with you when you're out, out on the road? Are you looking for ideas of places to visit? Do You want people to stop by? What, what's, what's the best way to see what you're up to and possibly meet you and engage with you when you're in, the, if you happen to be in their
2: town? I'm pretty easy to find. I have been you know, accused of taking over your LinkedIn feed pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, and so LinkedIn messages, you know, on Instagram at retail pride through the website at RetailPride.com. I'm very easy to find. And I would love to, uh, yes, hear really interesting things that are happening in your city. I would love to come and say hello. Um, i been hosting some just retail networking events uh, where we can bring some books and have a cocktail and have conversations about retail um potentially have you as a guest on on my podcast too so anything that seems like hey you know what there are great things happening in the city i would love for you to get involved please message me i it would be a pleasure
0: well it's fantastic what's well, been fantastic uh, catching up with you literally we're you know i am we're literally catching up with you as on your road we often wish our guests safe travels but that holds double for you as you <laughs> as you continue your journey in your in, as your words your growth vehicle uh you're growing the message and you're doing uh, you're doing wonderful work across the nation so thanks ron for joining us and continued success and and we'll look forward to yeah. following uh, yes indeed you do fill up my linkedin but they're wonderful posts, so uh, we'll look forward to uh, continuing to follow the journey and, and wish you much, uh, much continued success. Great, thank you,
2: thank you, Michael, thank you, Steve, for having me back, and maybe we can do this again in six months, and I will have even more stories to share. Uh, <laughs> there will be no shortage of stories about great retail in this country.
0: If you like what you heard, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform, so you can catch up with all our great interviews like our discussion with Target SVP Nancy King on their innovative approach to harmonize retail. New episodes will show up each and every week, and be sure and tell your friends and colleagues in the retail industry all about us. And I'm Steve Dennis, author of the best-selling book, Remarkable Retail,
1: How to Win and Keep Customers in the Age of Disruption. You can learn more about me, my
0: consulting, and keynote speaking at stephenpdennis.com. And I'm Michael LeBlanc, producer and co-host of the Conversations Commerce Next podcast, the Voice of Retail podcast, keynote speaker, and host of the all-new Last Request Barbecue cooking show on YouTube. You can learn even more about me on LinkedIn or meleblanc.co. Safe travels, everyone.